So adventures these days are defined very, very differently. I had an itch to play Risk so badly today. I'm talking real bad. So I decided to look up, well, where can I find it? Where can I find it? For those of you that don't know, Risk is a board game that can be played for two to six players. And the object of the game is to dominate the world. And the there's a board and it's broken up into many different territories and you want to control every single country, region, territory, whatever you want to call it. And I wanted to find this game because it's just been forever since I've played it and I love playing it. Now it takes a while to play, which means that, hey, you know, less boredom during the pandemic, less Netflix, you know, less sort of sitting around and, you know, at least something that makes you think. And so I decide, all right, well, where can I find this game? And so I look online and I look and go to Hasbro.com because it's a Hasbro game. And it says, okay, well, you can look at Amazon, of course. And well, Amazon's gonna take some time. I want it today. Where can I look for that? And they're like, well, you can look at Best Buy. You can look at Target. You can look at Walmart. And I was like, okay, cool. Plenty of options. So Best Buy doesn't have it right off the bat. Walmart doesn't have it. Now that was surprising to me. Walmart normally has everything, but they don't have it. Target does, but it's in Falls Church. I live in DC, so it's a bit of a trek, but I'm like, you know what? I have the itch. I'm going to go get it. I go to Falls Church. When I get there, I see Monopoly. I see Jumanji. I see Cards Against Humanity, classic. I do not see Risk. It is out of stock. I was told it was in stock. So I go over to, you know, customer service and I'm like, hey, is it in stock? And they go, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not here, but it's definitely in the one in the Mosaic District, Merrifield. So I'm like, okay, how far is that? Oh, it's another 15 minutes. Okay, cool. So go over there and then <laughs> I get there, run over because they say there's only one left there and it's gone. It's gone. And I am devastated. So I end up walking over to customer service there and I go, hey, are there any other par targets that would have risk? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this one on South Arlington Boulevard. Uh, it's in Falls Church. They have five of them. And that is when I realized no one has this damn game because that's where I just was. Devastating blow to the day, but when you put it in perspective, totally fine. Just thought it was a ridiculous situation. So I spent some of my day in Virginia looking for risk and it didn't work out. Welcome to another episode of District Divided. I'm your host, Amit Singh. Today's episode has a particular focus on philanthropy and DC sports. A lot of times we think about the wins, losses, draws on the field, on the ice, on the court. But now, you know, we don't spend enough time talking about some of the social good that occurs. John Wall, for example, came out with the 202 Assist Program. And for those of you that do not know what that is, we'll be getting into it in the interview with my guest today, Joe Mandrela. Joe Mandrela is a social impact consultant, and he's worked all over the world to just assess how well people have done in terms of philanthropy. So it's, you know, he's looking for positive change. And so this is an area of expertise for him. So it'll be very interesting to hear what he has to say about this. He'll also be highlighting the Washington Nationals, talk about the Caps a little bit. So we'll talk about teams as well. Outside of that, we're going to have a DC Sports update that's happening right after this intro. Mac McClung has decided where he's going to go. He's going to Texas Tech. 
surprised me a little bit, but we'll get more into that and just plenty more to come. So once again, we're going to have the interview with Joe Mandrilla and the, we're going to have that last and we're going to have the DC Sports Update right around now. Why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Kick back, relax and enjoy the show. So a lot happened in the sports world this past week. A lot of sports are trying to come back, and it's pretty exciting, honestly. So let's begin with the NHL. It's got a return plan. It's going to be a 24-team tournament, and the top four teams from each conference, the West and the East, are going to get a bye. The Washington Capitals are included as one of those top four teams in the East, so they're going to get a bye and advance to the second round of this 24-team tournament. Where is it going to take place? Well, there are going to be two cities that are going to host. One for the West, one for the East. Both are still being determined. The first round is going to be the remaining 16 teams. So eight for the West and eight for the East. And they're going to play in a round-robin tournament to determine seeding. Then from there, they're going to play a best-of-five series. The winner of that will advance to the second round. And so that's when we get the Washington Capitals in action. And that's either going to be a best-of-five series or a best-of-seven series. They have not decided yet. But the conference final and the Stanley Cup final will both be best of seven series, same as always. When will this happen? Well, we're not sure yet. The earliest that training camp can begin for, I guess, conditioning is going to be July 1st, but that's still subject to change. The hope is that by early autumn they can crown a champion, but we'll see what happens. But let's talk about Alex Ovechkin for a moment. The NHL handed out regular season awards and he won the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy as the top goal scorer of the NHL. 48 goals in 68 games. That was tied with the Boston Bruins right winger David Pasternak, who had 48 goals in 70 games. Given that Ovechkin did it in two less games, I am going to personally give the edge to our boy Alex Ovechkin. Congratulations on winning the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy, Alex, and that is the record ninth time he has won it. Moving to basketball, the Wizards' John Wall is 110% healthy. The source? John Wall. He was talking to Fred Katz, a writer for The Athletic, and told him so. This is very, very exciting news for the Wizards. What does that mean for this season? Well, if and when the NBA comes back, John Wall will not be playing. There must be some sort of agreement between him and the team to have him sit out the rest of the way and just get him ready for next season. But when he is on the court, this team is a playoff team. This team is dangerous. Wall and Beal are one of the best backcourts in the country. Very excited to have him back, playing alongside Bertans, Hachimura, Thomas Bryant. Lots to be excited about if you're a Wizards fan. Moving to the Georgetown Hoyas, Mac McClung, former Georgetown Hoya, has officially transferred to Texas Tech. He is a Red Raider. Now, will he be able to play this next season? We don't know yet. He still needs to apply for that transfer waiver to see if he's eligible next season. How much playing time is he going to get there? Well, there are eight guards under scholarship right now for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So it's a very crowded backcourt. This is one of the reasons I did not think he was gonna go there. It's gonna be more difficult for him to stand out. Now, Texas Tech has overcommitted by one scholarship. So presumably, a guard is on the way out to make room for Mac. We'll see what happens there. I still think if he had gone to a place like USC, again, they have the number one center in the country going next season and people always pay attention to those centers. So I feel like he would have had the nation's eye there at USC, assuming he was able to be eligible next season. Here at Texas Tech, I anticipate he's gonna want a full two years under coach Chris Beard. We'll see what happens, uh, but Mac, thank you for your time at Georgetown. Sorry it didn't work out here. Best of luck at Texas Tech. We will see how it works out. 
Moving on to football, former quarterback Chris Sims, who is now a member of the media, released a list of the top 40 quarterbacks. He's doing it as a countdown, so as of right now, we've only gotten to from 40 to 33. Here's the list. 33, Jameis Winston. 34, Terod Taylor. 35, Jarrett Stidham. 36, Taysom Hill. 37, Justin Herbert. 38, Mitch Trubisky. Number 40, Tua Tango-Vailoa. And number 39, our very own Dwayne Haskins. That, to me, is a bit of a lowball job. I just feel like Dwayne is a lot better than the 39th best quarterback in the NFL. Now, it's the national perspective versus the local perspective. The list is going to be subjective by nature. We each have our own opinions, and he's entitled to his. Chris Sims is certainly entitled to his. I don't think Taysom Hill, Mitch Trubisky, or Jared Stidham are better than Dwayne Haskins. From a talent perspective, I think he's better than Terod Taylor on the list as well, and I don't know enough about Justin Herbert to speak to that, but I think Dwayne Haskins is a lot better than people think. Now, we are also basing our assessment of Haskins off of the last four games. He could easily turn out to be the guy that came in against the New York Giants in relief the first time and ended up throwing those three picks. We don't know. He could be. But more likely than not, I believe he's now with a coaching staff that's going to make him thrive, that's going to help him feel good. Scott Turner gets that ball out quickly as offensive coordinator. He wants to make Dwayne as comfortable as possible. On the subject of Dwayne Haskins, he was throwing to a certain wide receiver everyone's familiar with wide receiver Antonio Brown, who used to be known as the best wide receiver in the NFL. And it started buzzing on Twitter. Should he join the Redskins? Would you want Antonio Brown on the Redskins? And I can totally understand and see why people would say yes to that. I mean, it's Antonio Brown we're talking about. That's one of the cleanest route runners in the game. Had phenomenal years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why wouldn't you want a guy like that? And he even seems to have a good relationship with Dwayne Haskins. When you add on the fact that Ron Rivera is bringing a new culture change that we continuously talk about, and Ron Rivera is known as that disciplinarian, wouldn't that just work? Wouldn't Antonio Brown suddenly be a guy that's just going to listen? I'm not necessarily sure that's what that means. It could also mean that Rivera would not want him here. So which to me is more likely, honestly. Truth be told, I love what we're building here. I know a lot of people say we need to improve the wide receiver core, and I do believe that. I really do. But I do like the young guys that are here, and we're in no rush to suddenly become this Super Bowl contender. It's going to take many more pieces. We're all aware of that. So Antonio Brown, as good as he is, may not be worth risking the culture that we have here right now, or seem to have here right now. Steven Sims, for example, had a phenomenal end to the season. He had four touchdowns in his last three games. I want to see how he progresses. He got targeted a bunch, and that's with Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum at quarterback. He seems to be quarterback proof. Terry McLaurin, scary Terry McLaurin, as the top dog of the wide receiving core, that would no longer be the case if we brought in Antonio Brown. Things would change in that regard. I love Terry McLaurin. I think he could be a top 10 wide receiver, maybe even a top five. I'm really high on the kid. We drafted Antonio Gandy Golden for a reason. Want to see what he could do. Kelvin Harmon had some really nice games last season. Cam Sims, heck, who knows? Maybe he can also have a role in this offense. I want to see how the young wide receiving core does here. Scott Turner is going to get the ball out of Dwayne Haskins' hands very quickly, and I'm very excited to see how he progresses this season with this set of wide receivers. 
Now on to world soccer. The Premier League in England returns June 17th, Manchester City versus Arsenal being the highlighted game. That is a Wednesday afternoon. I am personally very excited about it because I'm a huge Arsenal fan and that is the perfect time to catch Manchester City is when everyone feels like they're still in preseason. So hopefully we can nick three points, which is a win off of them. And then in Italy, Serie A is returning on June 20th, which is enormous news because Italy was hit particularly hard by this COVID-19 pandemic. And there are even articles written about how one of the Champions League matches sort of began the spread of COVID-19 in Italy. So they're still recovering from that, but it looks like they're ready to return. Again, that is on June 20th. So it looks like world soccer's coming back. We got the Bundesliga, we got the Premier League in England, we got Serie A in Italy. This is just great news in general. I hope that they are able to come back safely and that we can all enjoy sports again because we really, really need them. So I'm ecstatic. I hope you guys are too. That will conclude your DC sports update and world sports update. And now, why don't we just get on into the interview with Joe Mandrela. Today's topic is philanthropy, specifically DC sports philanthropy. And today's guest is Joe Mandrela. Joe is a social impact consultant that has worked with companies, foundations, governments, nonprofits, that sounds like everything, around the world to design and implement programs that drive positive social change. He lives in Northwest DC with his fiance and his dog, and he's an avid soccer player in the DC community. I am honored to be, well, with Joe Mandrela today. Joe, how are you doing? Hey, thanks, Amit. Really happy to be here and uh, excited to dive in. Excellent. So why don't you start, you're new to the show, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, as you mentioned, you know, I've, I've been a, a social impact consultant for, for my entire career, actually. So um, coming up on 10 years now, and, um, you know, that kind of looks a couple of different ways. Um, I've been designing programs and initiatives uh, focused on skills-based volunteering. Um, so, you know, using your professional skills to give back to communities. Um, I've run corporate giving events and campaigns. Um, and currently I'm actually sitting on the board of a, a small uh, DC area nonprofit called Open Door Sports. Um, and they focus on access to play for students with special needs and uh, financial challenges. Um, I'm also kind of particularly excited about our conversation because, you know, this is home for me. Um, DC, I've, I've been here for nearly 10 years, um, which I know for, for some is, is nothing at all, but for others, it's kind of hard to imagine living here that long. Um, and so, you know, this is my home and this is where uh, my fiance and I are, are planning to raise our family. And so um, DC philanthropy and, and the DC community in particular really means a lot to me. So uh, really excited to, uh, to dive into this conversation with you today. Excellent. So we have ourselves a DC transplant. And if you've been here for around 10 years, you can, you know, more or less call yourself a DC native in just a few more years time. So I think that'll be okay with people. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully get there soon. Yeah. <laughs> and you will. And you will. So why don't we just jump right on into it? John Wall, so star point guard for the Washington Wizards, was in the news recently because he started the 202 assist program, which is specifically targeting Ward 8 residents who are you know, most affected by this COVID-19 pandemic, helping them with their rent, so it's rent assistance. But that's about all I know about it. What more can you tell us about the 202 Assist program that John Wall has put on here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first I would say I'm in, by no means an expert on, on this particular program or on, on you know, DC 
specific philanthropy. Um, but, you know, after digging in and, and uh, kind of reading about this really exciting program, um, you know, it really is unique and it's really, uh, it's a great initiative from, from John Wall and, and the community partners he's bringing to the table. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Ward 8 has, has been hit pretty hard. Um, they've seen over 1,200 positive tests. Um, and, and, you know, that's just from a health perspective, right? Not even mentioning the economic impact um, that this pandemic has had. And so you know, rent is at the forefront of, of all of our minds, right? Um, particularly if, if you're uh, struggling to, you know, find a job or, or what have you. Um, and so this program in particular is, it's a four week long fundraiser um, for families living in Ward 8. And, and it's through partnership with John Wall Family Foundation, um, the Housing Counseling Services, uh, and they're a nonprofit that provides housing, counseling, training, advocacy, uh, and technical uh, assistance for, for low and moderate income tenants, homeowners, home buyers, and homeless. Uh, that's a lot I just threw out, threw out at you. Um, and then also in conjunction with Lydia's House, uh, and they're a nonprofit that provides social services, emotional support, and educational resources to address the needs of, of low-income and at-risk families um, at every stage of the poverty sector. And so, you know, thinking about the way that this program works, um, families are, are required to go in and apply for that support. Um, and so then through uh, the John Wall Family Foundation, through HCS, and through Lydia's House, uh, and in conjunction with the city of, uh, of D.C., um, they're going to work together to identify and select who those applicants are, uh, and then dispense that rent relief out to those landlords. Um, and, you know, this is particularly interesting because this is John Wall's backyard, if you will. Uh, he's always been an advocate, I think, if you've kind of followed his career. Um, ever since he got here in 2010, he's always called D.C. his quote-unquote second home. Um, and, you know, they, the Wizards hold their training facility out in Ward 8. Um, the go-go play their games out there. And, and of course you have the mystics our defending champs um, playing there as well. So, you know, I think this is a really timely um, program. And, and I think also it, it just is, you know, it's kind of hitting home the, the true investment and, and care that he has for, for DC and, and Ward 8 in, in particular. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it's really cool when athletes give back and, and John Wall in particular, alongside like Ryan Zimmerman, for example, is someone we think of as a fairly charitable athlete here in the D.C. Yeah. area. You know, John Wall's done a whole lot for the community, uh, so much so that I can't even list all of the things that he has done. So I was hoping you could help me out today. And, you know, when we hear that John Wall is this incredibly charitable person, you know, what else can we highlight that he's done for the area? Because I do think it is important that we take this moment to highlight what these athletes do. Can you tell us a bit more about John Wall's Charitable Foundation and what else he's done in the DC area besides the 202 Assist program? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think first, I, I really admire the way that he's approached uh, the pandemic and, and the response uh, in particular, I think, you know, it's pretty evident through his giving and through his charitable um, initiatives that he really does care for his his homes. Um, I, you know, I kind of sound like a broken record, but he has really made significant investments in, in Raleigh, where he's from, uh, and D.C., where he's played his entire uh, professional career. Um, he recently, uh, in, in particular regarding the pandemic, he, he went to uh, hospitals in, in Raleigh and here in DC, donating over 200, 
uh, sorry, excuse me, 2,395 masks. Um, and he worked with Chick-fil-A to provide over 600 meals for frontline workers and first responders, both in Raleigh and in D.C. Um, but even before the pandemic, he's been he's been relatively charitable. Um, you know, I would say more so than, than most, most athletes. And I think a lot of athletes can learn a lot from him. Um, but he's he's done Thanksgiving Day programs for families in need, both in Raleigh and D.C. Um, he's hosted back to school days for students in D.C. and Raleigh. Um, and he even worked with Sean John to provide tuxedos to students in D.C. going to prom for the first time. Um, how cool and how unique is that? You know, I think um, some of these things that he's doing, you know, while they are truly impactful, I think one of one of the things that I um, you know look up to him the most is is just the the innovation, right? And and how he's approaching philanthropy a little bit differently. Um, and even in talking about this program, uh, you know, that we just talked about, two hundred two assist. Right. I haven't heard of many other athletes uh, coming up with programs like this. I think, you know, when you hear of a lot of the athletes in, in their response to COVID and the pandemic, it's been, um, you know, whether it's an esports fundraiser or, or uh, writing a check to, to certain organizations. Right. John Wall is going further. He's he's committing to investing in the community and he's in he's advocating for everyone in the D.C. community to, to rally behind him and, and to rally behind this community as well. And, um, you know, that's the approach that, that I think athletes need to be taking across the board, um, you know, really being that advocate, recognizing that they might they may make millions, but they also may not have the, the resources and the finances to to make that that true change. And so how do you how do you go about making that change? You, you bring around uh, you bring people around you. Um, that are influential and that know what they're doing and, um, you know, all sorts of those things. And he's really done that here with this 202 assist program. Um, and, and again, I just think the Sean John program is, is, is super cool as well. And I would love to see more, more athletes do, uh, do interesting things like that. An all-star on the court, an all-star off the court. John Wall, he's got that super max deal, but you can have absolutely no issues as to what he's doing with that money, as you've pointed out, Joe. Really awesome guy, really cool athlete, and just so blessed, so blessed to have him in the D.C. area. Now, you know, they're not just individuals that are putting in a lot of excellent work. There are also teams in the area that are doing some work, specifically the Washington Nationals, who had their World Series ring unveiling the other day, and they actually managed to raise some money there. Could you get into some of the specifics of that fundraiser and how much money they raised? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's actually an ongoing fundraiser, so I, I wasn't able to look up the exact numbers that they um, that they brought in through that uh, the ring ceremony in particular. But I mean, how crazy is it that that the Nationals won the World Series just a few months ago? Like, I it's it blows my mind that that's something that that happened and that we you know we haven't even been able to to celebrate, you know, and it's just crazy. Um, but anyway, you know, yes, you're right. They did have their their ring ceremony on on Sunday, um, and and they did it all virtually. And I thought the way that they did it and and kind of how they brought it all together was was really interesting and and obviously really impactful because I've seen some really great um, you know just tweet all, all over Twitter and all over kind of the, the social impact space. Um, just how how awesome and 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 how um, how much support that it's providing to to the organizations on the ground. 
Um, right. So, so through Nats for Good, it's hashtag Nats for Good, um, which is in partnership with the Nationals, uh, uh, Nationals Philanthropy COVID Community Response. Um, and then through this program, what they're doing is they're dispersing grants to their community partners, uh, which in, in turn deliver essential food, uh, food access, health and human services to, to organizations and individuals around the D.C. community. Um, and so I think, you know, one thing in particular about the Nationals approach to all this um, is just, you know, again, similar to John Wall, just being a, a, a true thought partner, um, right? Recognizing that they don't have all the answers, recognizing that they can't do it alone um, and, and bringing all different kinds of stakeholders, whether it's from the city or, or nonprofits, um, corporations, right? They've, they've brought everybody together. They have brought everybody to the table and, and they've, they've thought about this critically and intentionally. Um, and, and their response is proving to be uh, to be a robust one and, and a positive one. It just makes you wish that uh, more DC teams had won championships last season because we could put on pretty awesome fundraisers like a you know World Series ring unveiling. So um, you know let's let's continue hoping for DC sports success. And like you said, that's really cool that they're able to do that through their various foundations and be able to give back to the community. Now, so there's a, the Washington Nationals, of course, and. Um, you know, maybe they're doing even more and you can touch on that if you'd like to, but are there any other notable causes that you want to highlight that DC teams are a part of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned Ryan Zimmerman, right? He has been, a, a beacon of philanthropic activity since he became a pro, uh, after his days at UVA. Um, he established his own relief fund, uh, called pros for heroes, COVID-19 relief fund. Um, and that's got a ton of traction. And I've seen lots of celebrities get on, on board with that. Um, and, and he's raised thousands through that program. I've seen Sean Doolittle be incredibly outspoken um, and supportive of and, and driving fundraisers for various nonprofits in the area. Um, you know, I think the Nationals in particular are doing some cool things, but, but they're also not alone. Uh, like you said, you know, the, uh, the way that DC has responded and our teams in particular, it, it really does make me proud. Um, you know, I am a transplant, but I do, I do cheer for our teams. I do love our teams very much. And so it's been cool to see, uh, you know, our champion mystics come up with their stay at home campaign, which includes STEM work, work, STEM, uh, workbooks for, uh, for students, coloring pages, fitness tips and tricks. Um, and they've also partnered with organizations like the DC central kitchen, Martha's table, um, and many others to provide relief and support. DC United uh, is running their hashtag United at Home campaign. Um, that includes youth development and child literacy programming in PG County. Um, it includes health and wellness challenges. Uh, there have been numerous player-led fundraisers uh, by DC United. Um, and the Capitals too. The Capitals have been really involved. Um, I don't know, it seems like ages ago, but Back in March, they did this really cool NHL 2020 uh, on, on Xbox fundraiser uh, where they matched up Ovechkin versus Wayne Gretzky, um, and they ended up raising over $40,000 for organizations in Edmonton and D.C. Um, and they're also, they also have their hashtag all caps at home campaign, which is really similar to that of, of the Mystics in the United. So, you know, through and through DC organizations, sports teams are, are really kind of leading the charge and, and really, you know, doing a great job of, of setting that example of what it means to be an active member in your community um, and to give back to your community too. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, so wins, losses, draws, you know, 
we're always looking forward to the next game and we want our sports to come back but it is very very important to see what all they're doing in the meanwhile just just appreciate that they're not just a sports team they're also an organization and they're also doing social good and giving back to the community here and Joe Mandrela, once again, is a social impact consultant that's worked with various companies and foundations around the world to design and implement programs that drive positive social change. And he's highlighted a lot of that social change here today. So, Joe, thank you so much for being on District Divided. And I know you're a big soccer fan, so real quick, are you excited for the Premier League to be coming back on June 17th? I'm cautiously excited. Uh, I hope they can do it in a very safe and healthy manner. And I, I think if Bundesliga is any example, uh, hopefully they can. And, and yeah, particularly excited. I'm a big Manchester City fan. Oh, um, no, first no, no. first big game, you know, coming up against Arsenal here. I've already got it in my calendar. I'm going to be wearing my, my, my blue jersey. So go Blues. <laughs> well, I'm a huge Arsenal fan, and I think this is probably the best chance to get three points against Manchester City just because <laughs> no one, it's like preseason. You know, you just got to hope that your team is sharper than the other and just let's see how it goes. But anyway, glad you're sharing the same excitement I am. And Joe, once again, Joe Mandrela, everybody, thank you so much for being on the program. Really appreciate your yeah, time today. Thanks, Amit. Really enjoyed being here with you. And that's going to conclude this week's episode, folks. Thanks again to Joe Mandrela for joining me on the podcast this week to talk about DC Sports philanthropy, both John Wall, Ryan Zimmerman, Sean Doolittle, and then, of course, the teams like the Nats and the Capitals. And, you know, just very nice to hear positive stories like that and positive initiatives. So thanks again to Joe Mandrela for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed the DC Sports update as well as the World Soccer update with the Premier League coming back June 17th and Serie A in Italy coming back June 20th. Now, many of you know I went to Carleton College, um, well, for college, um, and I have a lot of friends in the Minneapolis and St. Paul area, so I just hope you all are staying safe because it is a pretty crazy time right now. And uh, yeah, that is my sentiment there. I hope you're all staying safe during all these riots. George Floyd, may you rest in peace. And uh, I'll keep politics aside here. So those are my sentiments there, that everyone remains safe and that we can come out of this situation stronger together. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow it on Twitter at District Divided. Same thing with Instagram. There's a Facebook page and group both called District Divided. Please join that and interact with me there. And uh, yeah, just have a lovely weekend. And I look forward to catching you guys next week. Polly Polo, take us out. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me.